Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to an all-new episode of Comedy Gold Mines, where we get inside the minds of brilliant comedians. And oh my God, what amazing minds they are. On this episode, we got a creative genius with us. That's right, I said it. A creative genius. A comedian, writer, producer, director and contributed to some of our favorite TV viewing over the years. From the likes of The Chappelle Show, Half-Baked. Look, you can't deny the guy's work and his legacy. Well, God, he's done so much, man. I mean, more recently, you might remember him from his 2020 feature film, Capone, starring Tom Hardy. One of the things that he's done that I, that I think he should be most proud of, he's directed me and my Chase commercials. This is a big deal. His appearance is on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to have him here today. Neil Brennan. What's up, Neil? Kevin. Kevin, hi. You know, um, our friend, uh, we'll call him Chris Rock, was kind of shitting on us, if you can believe it. And he said that um, he said that when people ask him about the pandemic, he's going to tell them all he remembers is our Chase commercial. <laughs> Because they aired it a lot, all the time, all the time. Yeah, but you know that's they pay good. They pay you good money. They pay me money, and uh, and and you know let them air it. Let them air it. It's not bad. It's not like the funniest shit either of us have ever done. But it's good. It's a good time. What are you talking about? Those Chase commercials are amazing. <laughs> They're groundbreaking. Yeah, you know what, Kevin, you're right. Yes. Oh, I don't think it's look. I'm, he's just kind of shitting us, but. Uh, we don't have to bring up his Apple commercial. We would never, you know what I mean? But anyhow. Chris Rock. How about Chris's, uh, you know, the pandemic was tough on Chris, man. You know, Chris, uh, he went through. He had to do what you fear, which is he had to look inside himself. Yeah. <laughs> he had to, uh, he met his worst fears, which is taking a look at his uh, emotional makeup. And uh, he, he made some corrections. Whereas Kevin, that's not who you are. You're a guy that plows forward, doesn't look at all at who, he is, at what he's like, doesn't think, should I make some uh, alterations to my character? No, fuck it. This is little. I'm a little rock star, little little comedy rock star. It's like, fuck it. Double. What's that? Double the confidence. Okay, I'll try it. Have you taken any evaluation of yourself, Neil? Like, have you had to sit down and, and dive deep within self at any point? My whole um, <laughs> thing is because if you look at my Netflix special is there's one mic. 
three mics. Yeah. One of the mics is just for emotional shit. Yeah. So that was, I had to go deep in that. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy with some money and uh, we go to therapy. Yeah. You know, we enjoy a therapy. Yeah. We enjoy a medication. Um, and, uh, and we're, and I'm happy to see that black people are getting more into it. Thanks to Charlemagne. We have to thank Charlemagne <laughs> for getting black people into mental health. <laughs> it's kind of true. Um, wait, so you, I want to start at this. Okay. Uh, and it's easy. It's going to be so easy for me to talk to you. I mean, because we have a relationship and this is going to be one of those conversations that, that flows so amazingly. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Don't jinx us. I want to know the reason. What was the reason for you saying, "Okay, I need to, I need to embed myself in therapy"? Because I don't. I. It's a longer story. I don't go much anymore. But the original reason was because I was like achieving goals, and I wasn't. My mood wasn't getting better. You know what I mean? Like I was mm. just kind of bummed all the time. So I was like, "What am I? Why am I bummed all the time?" And uh, despite you know, making a living as a writer and, you know, but half-baked, 23, we and Dave were like 23 when we wrote it. It was, it was good. It was a good time. And I was like, why are we not? So I, or why am I not sort of happier? And so I started going to therapy and I'm, you know, the, my favorite part of your documentary is your shit with your dad. I could literally watch that shit. That's how much therapy I do. I'm like, Fuck everything else. Let me watch Kevin shadow box with his dad. That shit is riveting to me. Wow. Um, so I'm all about, I'm one of 10 kids. Oh. Like, you know, it's like not enough attention, a little violence, drinking, oh. all that stuff. So I had to spend ten a brothers long... and sisters. Yeah, man. I'm the youngest. Underneath of 10. the same, under the same, uh... under the same umbrella. Are you serious, Neil? Yeah. 10, 10 kids, same sperm, same egg. And you're the youngest. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So like holy shit. Yeah. What a fuck shit. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucked up. Stop the pop. Yeah, fuck this. Man. Uh yeah. So so you know, you have your stuff. Uh and and I so I had a just a different uh we weren't poor, so that mm -hmm. helps. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm -hmm. we weren't. You can only be so rich with ten kids, but like, you know, it's everybody's got their like. You're okay, you were okay. There weren't. You weren't looking for food. No, exactly. Outside Philly, Villanova, and uh, we and so we like you know it was, it was my parents were born in like dad was born in 1930 in like one of 13 kids in the middle of the depression, so it's just kind of you know a different. It's a different the way you push through shit there was no like men didn't really have emotions until like 1988 mm -hmm. it's true so so like you know so it was just figuring out how to be an adult and how to you know are you uh are you an emotional guy um i don't know people think i'm hard to read and that i'm cold but um, I don't think I'm, I think I'm, I can, I, I'm, I'm, I, and I, I'm a comedian, so I lack empathy a little bit mm -hmm. in that, you know, somebody noticed about me the other day, they're like, you know, I noticed that you, you always blame the victim Ooh. in a situation. Again, I don't say, Ooh, Ooh. um, <laughs> Ooh. 
Ooh, that's going to be hard to dig yourself out of. No, Neil. you know why I say ooh? I say ooh because as you're talking about, like, we started off by just saying, like, self-evaluation. And then that led into me just asking yeah. about therapy. And like, yeah, you know, I've, I've yeah. done it. But, you know, when, when it comes to self-evaluation, when people say things like that to you, I feel like those are those are real moments for you to stop before you respond. And that, that's what I that's what I kind of mm -hmm. got better at. Like when people say things like you just think you know everything and and, you know, that that comes from a place. Yeah. Right. Well, it's also as a comedian, I'd say if there's a four way stop sign, comedian has the right away. You say you got the right away. Like we just think we have the right away. Yeah. In any conversation, if there's a pause, I'm going. Yes. Because I'm the comedian. Yeah. And and you more than me, but we both had, a, uh, we've both been right about stuff that's been, that's paid off. It's a gift and a curse. And this is why I say like, it's a, for me, it was a learned thing. What I learned was this isn't coming from nowhere, right? When a, when a person says something like that, when a person says something to the point of what you do or what you continuously do, or what you don't even realize, like at some point you, you have to stop and you have to take that and, and listen and and just think to yourself, it may be a thing. And even if it's not, how do I make sure it's not? How can I adjust moving forward to make sure this isn't a thing, right? right? To, make, to make sure that I'm not the person that thinks I know everything or not the person that doesn't want to let other people talk. Like I, I've heard things like that so so it's important for me to stop and when did you when did when did you take it to heart you know i would say from i would say from 39 39 going into i'm about to be 42 now these have been my most mature most mature years of just like really having the pov of both of both parties right that means within any discussion that you're in with whomever it is, I have a POV of where you're coming from. And I also have one of where I'm coming from. Right. And because of me being willing to see from both sides, I'm able to better identify with what you're saying or what you're trying to say, whether then it's like, it's like, are you, are you listening to talk or are you listening to really listen? Mm -hmm. That's that's the question. What was the when you're what was the people, event in your life that made you go, I should probably listen to this shit? Or your daughter? I feel like your daughter's helpful with that shit. That's honestly what it is. It's having a teenage daughter in today's times, right? Like you know, we're 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 coming up in a in a different. This is a different time, right? And you know, the kids today, kids today feel and they you know, they express different than how we feel and how we expressed. And it's important to just be like, you know what? I hear you and I understand. Yeah. And I'm here for you. Like it's, it's you know, like that, that level of verbal support needs to be more than less. And I realized that and I kind of just put it into everything, all aspects. So I've been able, so when you say plow through, what helps me plow through is I've been able to do that. I can do that with me. I can check me really well. I can go, oh, wait, that's Kev. Don't do that. Or don't even say that. Like actually, or like Aniko says, you're better at that. I can a thousand percent like 
it's it's really what I'm what I can do. Yeah, I think therapy is dope as hell, and I think the people that embrace it, you know, you definitely see a difference in them after they've been gone. I, I will never frown upon it at all. I think that the only reason why I haven't stepped through that door for anything is because I've identified the problem when a problem has been shown to me or I discovered it and I've worked on a solution to fixing the problem and not ignoring the problem. That's the difference. Did you ignore it for a long, for most of your life? No, cause it, it hasn't been that much shit. I don't think there's like the damage. Oh, just like you just have a more problems. Now. Yeah. It's just more shit just comes up now because of where I am and what I am. That's it. Uh, with you, do you feel like, do you feel like now where you are, it's easier for you to deal with shit because of the work that you've done on yourself? Yeah, well, I read a book about communication, like literally a class uh, called Effective Communication Skills. And, wow. and uh, it was just an audiobook. And um, the first time, the first job I did it was the chase, the outside chase, the, the yard, the one, the commercial that I was in with you. And the mm -hmm. AD and the producer was like, wow, that book really worked on you. Because I wasn't, because I'm from a family of 10 people, and I don't know if you can relate to this, what I, what people go, why are you yelling? I'm like, yelling? <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm just talking. The fuck are you talking about yelling? You're really upsetting me, right? With how angry you're like, angry? This is just Philly shit. Like, this is not even... This is just one intent. So it was the first time where I was like, okay, let me take, you know, just saying in conversation with people, like I listened to this guy, a negotiator say, the key to being a good negotiator is to repeat back what people say to you. And, and, and with mm. the thing of going, so if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is da, 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 da. And like 70% of the time, people will drop the hostage right then because they just wanted you to hear what they were saying. That's what the whole hostage thing was about. Acknowledge that I live in some reality. It's not even about this lady and money and all. It's just about you going, I know where you're coming from. I love the uh, the reference to you being loud and being in like a loud, coming from a loud environment. You know, like- Yeah, you can relate to that, right? Yes. It's hard for people to understand why people that are loud are loud. You're loud because you grew up in a loud dynamic. Yeah. Where raising your voice was the norm. Raising your voice was the way to communicate. Yes. And also, if you're five and everyone else is 20, the fuck choice do you have? Like, like I'm not going to... I've been arguing with adults since I was five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and... <laughs> So like, and not even nice, not even like give the kid a break, like Irish, Catholic, angry adults. Did they all embrace and support you and your journey in the comedy, like off the back? Or yeah, actually they, I mean, Kevin, my brother, Kevin Brennan, the comedian, like, so I was in high school, Kevin was starting in New York mm -hmm. in the eighties. So I would go to New York and... I'd hang out. He was a doorman at the improv with David Tell and mm -hmm. Reggie McFadden. Mm -hmm. So I knew those guys when I was in high school and I used to watch Brian Regan and David Tell and Ray Romano, like people that were not, that may or may not have been making a living, like Attell especially. 
So I was around those guys from mm -hmm. 16. And then wow. I went to NYU for film school. Yeah, right in the middle of it. Right. So started mm -hmm. working the door at the Boston in 92. Dave's there, Chappelle. Mm -hmm. He's really the only other guy my age. He and I hit it off just like, like we had similar aesthetics. We, I would give him punch-ups on his jokes and... Uh, and like a little bit but we had we like the same movies music all that shit that like friends shit he starts popping um and then i wrote a little bit with like elon gold on a thing like 94 then i got a job 95 out here writing for like mtv singled out and and uh, all that on nickelodeon and i'm like 20. No, you're getting 21. at this point. You're 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 cooking. Yeah, you're cooking. Yeah, you're, you're cooking. Yeah, like ridiculously at this point. Yeah, but I wasn't especially good. I should note that. Like the, all that shit. Like I wasn't doing. I wasn't really getting shit on. Uh, although it's a long story. The Pierre S. Cargo shit that Keenan did was stolen from me. Long story. Um, and then uh, twenty three. Dave goes, if Universal calls, tell him we're doing a weed movie. Like, what what weed movie? And he's like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And they call me and they're like, are you and Dave Chappelle doing a weed movie? Now, meanwhile, like I'd, the the longer version of the story. This is the start of Half Baked. This is, this is how it started. Wow. Yes. The longer version of the story is I'd written a, another script with a buddy of mine and it got to through a friend of a friend this guy the this the, uh, producer at universal named bob simons he produced happy gilmore billy madison i had a meeting with him was really just fucking funny in the meeting wasn't even whatever i was just fucking funny in the room a week later dave has a meeting with him and goes yeah i'm writing a weed movie with a buddy of mine and they go who and he's like trust me you've never heard of him and they go who and he goes neil brennan and they're like neil was just here that guy's fucking hilarious so that's just one of those weird things right and then we have me and dave have they go universal calls and says when are you gonna when can you pitch this weed movie and i was like knew nothing and i was like in 30 days time like just made a number up <laughs> he just pulled you just pulled a 30 we can pitch it in yeah just like, it was days. like 30 days 30 days time hit mark my words and uh day 29 we started outlining and uh and then pitched it and sold the shit to universal and did universal and disney both wanted to buy it but where did they come from we had gone to see the movie train spotting which is about heroin uh heroin users in scotland mm -hmm. which you wouldn't think but that's like dave you know that's like just got great weird taste we go to see this movie on the way out he's like you can make a weed movie of that and i was like yeah you're right that's it and just two 23 year olds walking down the street and then two months later he tells me he calls me with that and then um here's the fucking crazy part the sh crazy showbiz part so we pitched it i believe in early march right and kev we were shooting in july which and they're like this never happens and me and dave in our heads were like doesn't happen for you guys happens for us <laughs> happens this, for, is, this is the norm yeah this is how movies are made you pitch it in march and then you're shooting in july how long did it take you to write the script i don't know like a month what the like 
kind of like five long days. I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. We just had the fever. What? Um, So, yeah, we I know we started in Dallas. We were when he was doing the Addison Improv March. It was crazy, dude. It was crazy. Did you write it like when you wrote it? Did you guys already have the we outlined it pretty good? Okay. There's a book called The Writer's Journey, which is about like structuring movies, right? You should read it. It's fucking great. But Dave read it and then we outlined on day 29. And once he read it, like something in his head where he was like, oh, like we were talking different languages and then we were talking the same language where it was like, "Uh, the thing, there's a problem, you, the call to action, the refusal of the call, the, then you decide to do it then the second act break and just shit that like structural shit that is all based on mythic thousand year old storytelling long story short but so then we were shooting and and i'm 23 he's 23 get the fuck out of here man yeah and it was it was like uh it was just wild hi it's stephen colbert and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, here's the thing. Had Baked was a major success, but did, was it a success when you guys released it, or was it a... No, it wasn't. It became like a cult classic. Yeah, we opened against... Um... Goodwill Hunting. Mm, that's right. As good as it gets. Um, and Titanic. Oh, that little movie. So, you know, it was t- it was a little tough. A great lineup for you guys. Who's bringing that up? Who's quoting? Who's quoting fucking Titanic? Universal felt that this was okay. I mean, look, why not? It's Titanic, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, fuck it. I was, but this is something that you, as a producer, so the producer's name is Bob Simons, mm-hmm. and he now he runs AIC. I'm sure you've met him and all this and work with him. He, um, he, the reason we were shooting in July is because he was friends with the chairman of Universal, was in his office, saw a hole in the release date. Oh my God. And he goes, he goes, you need a movie for Martin Luther King Day weekend? And the, and the chairman's like, yeah, if you got it. And he's like, I'll be back in a week. And it's just one of those like, that's what a movie producer does? Well, A, no. I mean, the the movie producer actually is supposed to say, what else is in this slot? Do we know what else is coming out? Uh, Do we have an idea? (laughs) Nah, (laughs) nah, nah. Dave Chappelle, unknown Dave Chappelle, unknown Neil, absolutely unknown Neil Brennan. So after the movie, after the movie comes out and it does what it does, what was the... What was the reaction? Uh, that was a bit of a free for all. That was a free fall for me. And it was me and Dave didn't really talk for maybe a year and a half. Uh, not that there was any specific beef, but uh, it was just like a stink. Really? 
like a stink, just a stink in the just air of of the work that you guys did together, and there was like that it didn't work, and he, I think he felt like he gave me a chance, and I blew his chance, maybe. Mm. Um, there was some personal stuff in there too that we don't need to podcast about. Got you. Um, Got you. But wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't really money based. It was just that's it was. I was in a tough position where I was sort of in charge of making my friend work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Universal put me in charge of like, are you and Dave writing? Are you and Dave writing? Are you and Dave writing? And if he and at that time his dad was dying. Yeah, personal shit going on, and you're trying to put pressure on him that's yes. being put on you. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, of course, which can which can put a divide in any type of relationship. Yeah. So so you guys, so the movie comes out, it doesn't do that well, but then you become a cult somehow. Yeah. Where were you guys at, or where were you at uh, when you felt the steam? of the movie that was just suddenly becoming a conversation how long after uh it started to do good on i remember there were days in the that i'd be fucked up emotionally just didn't feel good like was i didn't know who i was going to write with i ended up writing with a guy named mike sure who's created parks and rec and brooklyn 99 and good place like he's great um and we he's a real deal. yeah we wrote we wrote some shit together that didn't go but it was funny and um and uh and actually i as i'm sitting here with you i'm like you could be in that movie um we i got a script for you we'll, we'll take this offline um but uh <laughs> i got a release date next summer i got a hole in august and we're gonna plug it up we'll finish over, offline over right over okay, at we'll mgm do it, we'll do it um but uh but uh i would just be in free fall and then i'd hear people quoting half baked like on the train and i'd be like that's fucking pretty cool but it wasn't, I, it, me and Dave got no Hollywood credit for it. It was just like, mm. I think he probably was good for the road. And, when, and, and the good news was when we pitched Chappelle's show, he had kind of some heat at a network that size, if that makes sense. Like they, they would air the shit out of it in Comedy Central. So how do you guys, how do you get back to that point though, right? Like there's like a little, little spat or whatever. A little fissure. Yeah, so how yeah. do you get back to the point where, hey, I got an idea I would love for you to work with me? Uh, you know, if there's people that you know care about you, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the thing about me and Dave is like, um, there's like a, just an understanding of of like what's good and what's bad. Because on, mm -hmm. on the thing I should say is on Half-Baked, they didn't listen to any of our ideas, kind of. They were just like, yeah, you fucking guys are crazy. I was telling somebody recently at a screen, I had, I was sort of involved in heavily re-editing it. And the, and I'm 23, the editor that I was sort of re-editing had edited Rocky and uh, Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura, but he was wrong about this. So I had mm. to go in and like re-edit shit. And he looked at me and Dave at the screening and you can't say this anymore, but he said, I guess you guys aren't retarded after all. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks, guy who's supposed to be working for us. <laughs> um, so there wasn't like a ton of respect. So there was like a level he knew, probably like you know, but not as well. Like if I'm, if we're doing something together, it's gonna be pretty good. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not gonna be awful. Yeah. And uh, so he knew that and there's like a personal thing of like knowing inside jokes and all that shit. So 
Yeah, I think that's what made him want to do the TV show. And then on the TV show, we were like real control freaks because of Half-Baked. Because of the experience that you have from Half-Baked. Yeah, because they didn't, no one really listened to us. So it was like, oh, well, every fabric of every shirt has to go through one of us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pain in the ass and it makes you crazy. And you got to go to Africa after two seasons. But before you do. How old are you guys here? Uh, at that point, 29. Mm. 29 yeah so you're polished you're so still pretty young yeah, but now but yeah. You're, you're yeah but not really yeah you're young but but you're polished within the business because that's a six-year gap yeah. where you guys once were yeah. um once again yeah once again somehow you find yourself in a position of doing something that falls into the space of becoming that cult classic right um right while you guys are in it of course you notice it's getting big um it's it's getting massive i don't want to talk about the after because we all know about the after you know everybody knows sure. about Chappelle leaving and, uh -huh. and I'm quite sure you've been asked that yep. several times so I don't I don't need to know about what yeah what what did, what did Neil do now what'd you do Neil I don't I don't want to know that I want to know about yeah. at the at the height of you know the heat while doing the show at this point did the discussions for movies or anything ever come up did you guys ever ever play around with the thought of writing the next version of a half-bake or writing that next movie for Dave or or kind of going in that direction because with you especially in knowing you you know I know how engulfed you were in the show and like you said how much you were a part of a lot of those moving parts within the creative was there ever a conversation of this is going great but we want to hit that big screen as well I gotta say the the uh, there was gonna be a Rick James movie at one point. Um, oh my god! But you know what oh are you gonna god. do? Um, yeah, there was oh gonna be a Rick god. James movie and uh, a comedy. Oh yeah, I mean, god. yes, it would have just been the sketch, but his life story. Oh my god! Yeah, um, and uh, and then that we talked about some movies. The thing is, though. How do you look at, at movies differently than other shit? I used to do a joke with Dave and Most Def on, on Chappelle show, where if they were both really good in a take, I'd be like, congratulations, fellas. Hollywood called, and they want you to play cops. <laughs> <laughs> like, so kind of like, for guys like that, who hate authority <laughs> and are like, they don't really want to play cops. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. don't want to play... Yeah anything other than they don't want to really be other people in a weird way or they want to you know what i mean well i think i think the beauty of the the pivot or jump whichever one you want to call it to movies is when you when you have that heat and the individual right so by that i mean dave is dave and he's also got a writing partner right I also got a creative, a creative weapon. So I'm a weapon and you're a weapon. So if we keep this weapon together, we can weaponize and do this, this, and that. It's like Will Packer is the reason why I did think like a man. Will Packer saw me at the airport and he was like, yo, man, I want to put you in a movie. I didn't know who the fuck he was. I thought he was just somebody yeah. talking shit. Yeah. Turns yeah. out he wasn't. He called me when he said he was going to call me. He damn sure had a movie. He put me in a movie, told me he wanted me to be the comedy relief in the movie. 
And when we worked together, I said to him, I said, dude, we can't ruin this. This is a good opportunity for the both of us. How do we do this again? And he said, are you serious? He said, are you serious, man? Things are going well with you. We're in a space where we can kind of, where we can do more. And right. I was like, I want to do more. And then hence about last night, ride along, all of these scripts, all of these things, yeah. you know, Packer was behind that engine and I was right by the side of, we both played significant roles in a lot of these movies coming on board. Now I wasn't smart enough to embed my production company and all of that stuff in. So Packer was the producer and I'm happy he was because that's where I learned a lot of the producing stuff from. And then as it became time and I got more knowledge, I then made sure to have Heartbeat stand on its own and then Heartbeat and Will, Power, Will Packer Productions, we started to team up. But it came from us using one another to get there, like we we saw that. So that's the only reason why I asked the question because of course it was different times, but with you and Dave, it's like, fuck, that's just such a great opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, I was more interested in that than he was. Mm -hmm. That's all I can really say about it is like, I was more interested in that than he was cause, because uh, I like, you know, adore the guy, work yeah. with the guy. He's Un incredibly funny like i as a funny person i can look at him and be like shit okay um and i care all that stuff so i was very interested in that and all i will say is that he was not that you respected his side of the spectrum you respected yeah yes you you respected the the lane that he wanted to be in i was very interested i get that he was less he had his own stuff that he he you know i think he didn't want to feel like maybe he didn't want to feel like it was mm -hmm. us or he couldn't do it without me or any of that stuff so you know that's where we weren't that old do you know what i mean yeah that's where we were 30 and you it's stuff that maybe now would play out differently but but you know that's it's also like his prerogative and and the cool the good thing for me was i was able to go all right well then i'm just gonna be a comedian I think I'm funny. There's all these Hollywood things that take forever. And it's a bunch of people that don't know anything about comedy telling you you're not very funny. And you're like, I, I think I feel like I am. People laugh at me in almost every interchange I have with them. Um, so I just started focusing on stand-up. I feel like I know this thing. I know this thing pretty well, actually. Um, and then, and you doing stand-up, which you're very good at. You're, you're funny. You've been funny. You know that. That's not. It's not a, a shock uh, to you, to me, uh, or to the people around you. But it's hard to go from writer to perform. I mean, Why? like it's a thing that the deeper I got into it, I was like, well, nobody really does this. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's harder? Because writers are generally introverts, right? So whereas you, you probably approach comedy as twenty-year-old. And like, I'm tired of working at a shoe store or whatever. I, I don't want to work at a shoe store my whole life. I'm funny. I'm engaging. I'm energetic. Let me go to the, like wherever you went in Philly, mm -hmm. wherever you went in New York. And it was kind of an extension of who you are. Okay. I'm not that, like, you're a fucking charisma mm -hmm. machine, buddy. Like you've been a charisma machine since you were 14, probably. So I had to learn how to 
be just a, like a little smilier and nicer and warmer and project stuff that as a writer and director, you don't really have to. I think you actually have charisma though. I think, I think your charisma is in your own way, but you are a very personable person in group settings and one-on-one settings uh, and set settings. In other words, like your comedian takes over, right? And maybe that's been mm -hmm. learned over the years. Maybe there's been more confidence in that over the years. But when I say your comedian takes over, you're never afraid of the joke. You're never afraid of the bit. You're never afraid of right. the moment for funny. It's, oh, hey, right. guys, you're here. Well, I didn't know you were coming, and, and you're in yeah. the bit. So it's like that, that to me, well, one, is a sign of confidence. Two, it's a sign of comfort. And if it yeah. is or was discomfort, you masked it amazingly. So the only reason why I asked you, like, why, why do you think it was different to go from the writer to the comedian? I would suggest that it's a little harder for the comedian to go to the writer, right? Because, like, I, I would think that that's harder. Well, that's the thing. As a writer, before I was a comedian, other writers would go, you seem like more of a performer. And what they meant was, yeah. you're annoying. Uh, <laughs> so, and as a, as, a, as a performer, they go, are you sure you can write? You sure you can? And what they're saying is, you're not that smart, right? So it's like the two things, the amount, when me and Dave wrote Half-Baked, when we did the TV show, the, we, me and Dave do not say who wrote what. Because anyone who says who wrote that wants to feel like Neil's uh, uh, coattail uh, guy or Dave's being uh, Svengali'd by this white genius. Mm. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you guys. He's really yeah. gifted story-wise. And I bet yeah. you're really gifted story-wise. And Dave's really, like all the ways that people wouldn't assume you are, I bet you are because... As a comedian, you have to do it all. I will say this on record. I'm a brilliant fucking thinker with story. Brilliant. I can be brilliant. Right. Man, Neil, between me, you, and this amazing goddamn audience of listeners that I now have on this podcast, I sat down to write a script by my fucking self. Neil, when I tell <laughs> you, when I tell you the shit, the shit that I read back after I wrote, when I tell you, I thought I was flowing. Oh, this is fun. Went right fairly recently as no, an adult. No, no, this is years right. ago. This may be like yeah. This may be like twelve years ago, man. You look at the structure of the script. You look at the when you realize, oh, there's so much shit that I don't know about writing the script. Like I, there was no fade to, there was no cut to, there was no open with, there was no, you know. But you know what I learned that you probably you learned the hard way. I always say writing is like fishing. Just go with somebody because it's fucking unbearable to do it by yourself. And the other thing is, as you're a very social guy. That's pretty dope. And I'm going to be like, I know I've had this conversation with like Dave and a few people. Dave, you know, one of the reasons Dave's so good as Rick James, because there's women there. Mm. And he, you're as a guy, you're gonna be better 
when there's women around. Mm. I've done commercials with athletes. If a fine woman shows up, they'll be like, I'll give you three more dunks. <laughs> Shit like that. Dudes <laughs> want to show off for women. Like, and and with you, you you're a social guy. You want to, you want to impress the person you're working with. Yeah. When we did that that Foot Locker commercial five, six years ago, it was fucking very funny. Um, until Kanye got it taken down. But we're not gonna worry about that. You said at one point, you go, all right, Neil, watch this, watch this. Which is like, it's like such a fucking comedian thing to say. Not an actor thing yeah. to say. An actor's like, okay, I'll take a moment. Yeah. And you're like, all right, Neil, watch, watch, watch this. Like, because you wanna impress the person. I wanted to impress Dave. I wanna impress Mike Sure. I wanna impress you when I'm yeah. with the like. So there's that element that you almost have to realize what you're like. And I, dude, there, I swear to God, I was gonna, at the end of Spells, I was thinking, we should just put bleachers on set. Mm. Mm. So, so, so Dave can, Will Smith, I've had this conversation with him. We're all better when there's people watching. It's like when you're, it's like, or you do something funny on a movie. The audience, you got your audience. Yes. If you do something funny on a movie, you know the crew can't laugh. So instead, but you know when you got to laugh because it feels like a bunch of birds flew away. That energy of like, <laughs> you say something funny and there's that like onset energy of like, oh, 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 don't shoot, no, 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 don't laugh. That's really funny. But, but it's we, the best, it's the best feeling. It's the best feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. It's the feeling of, um, it's like, it's like, it's the one of control to some degree. And I, and I think that's what, that's what the beauty of, of comedy is the beauty of comedy is in being able to control an environment and the only reaction that you need to justify that you're in control of said environment is a laugh mm -hmm. or when it's also like uh yeah control or like being able to see something in a new way or in a way that other people couldn't see it and you're like you're going like i'm fucking smart okay you know what I mean? Like I'm smart because I said this, and I'm I'm a valuable person. Just let's be clear, mm -hmm. I'm a valuable person. Mm -hmm. I'm first mm -hmm. of all, I can perform in front of people like it's nothing, which most people can't. So it just gets like the 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 higher the altitude of like, all right, I can perform in front of people, which everybody else would be stammering right now and need a drink of water. Uh, and and then I could think of an improv in the forty year old virgin. Mm -hmm. uh, you look like a different person just because you like your skin whatever you got all the beauty products on whatever your hair you're small you're younger <laughs> um you got to quote chris rock uh money is the best lotion um and uh and uh, so 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 you but you're fucking funny with this shit and like yeah. it's really you're just really uniquely funny and i don't think you're controlling that situation you're no. taking control of it. You're like, Judd's in control, Romani, you're you're in control, whatever, the set's in control. But before I go, let me just do some real funny shit and maybe you'll see. Let me give you let me give you a, a last blast of funny. Yes. Judd did the podcast. We actually talked about it. Oh, this. great. Like you're very fun. And just being able to be poised in a situation. It's a Judd Apatow movie and he's hot and did it. And you're like, I don't know. I'm going to be funny in the scene. I'm not going to bomb in that fucking scene. It's the shoulder shrug. Yes. The shoulder shrug. Nah, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be straight. It's the confidence within the shoulder yes. shrug.
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, here's a good one for you. Here's a good yep. one. I mean, we're talking about just honestly progression here with you, um, your career from writing, uh, producing, then you going and embracing comedy. And at the embracing comedy, you know, directing is now a thing. And, you know, you do it very well. What is what is the, the want? for Neil now? Like what, what is it that you're looking to do in the business as of now? I guess I would like to be a little more famous, which is kind of a stupid thing to say, but just like slightly bigger venues. No, it's not. I got slightly bigger venues. I do mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know, sell at a club weekend. sell at you know, like a little bit, like slightly theaters. bigger. Theaters. Like yeah. I do. Theaters. I do smallest. I do probably 800 seat theaters, a little bigger. Like I mm-hmm. would like to get, the way like I'm respected, like three mics is considered like a very good special. And I wish I had a little more pop mm-hmm. appeal. You know what three I mean? Three mics was so it was so it was one of the most creative things that I've ever seen in the special. It was one of the most creative Thank things. You. Yeah, that's the like picking yeah. which one you want. Like that that was one of the most creative things. And I think that's where your genius comes into play. That's where your outside the box cadences come into play. And that's also, that's a thing of knowing you don't, you're so charismatic and so energetic that you can just do a stand-up special. It's mm-hmm. enough to just watch you talk. With me, it's good, but I, I would be, I would like to add a little something so that it's just it's it's prop maybe it's insecurity maybe it's also just friends of mine like like my uh, Seth Meyers has been a close friend of mine for 15 years but he got all everything he got he got from producing and from writing and mm. like making the best version like he got weekend update because he wrote the best jokes mm-hmm. and was able to do them and then he got mm-hmm. the correspondence center and then he got the late night and it's from like the, what's the what's my superpowers overused but like what's the thing i'm good at that other people aren't good at and i can think about comedy and uh i don't know what drama i don't know what it is but theatrics probably better than most people so i'm going to use that as a thing and so so i guess it's i would just like a little i wish i had the popularity with people a little more, not because I'm still pretty popular. I wish I had the popularity with people that I have with other comedians. Mm. You know what I mean? That's like, strong. So that's, yeah, that's kind of I like mean, but that's the, the proof of the comics is amazing though. You can't, you of can't, course. we can't downplay that. I mean, it's, it's no, good to want the popularity, but it's, it's the, the popularity amongst peers is, is an amazing thing. You know, when your peers respect, but you. there is that thing where, you maybe that's your own insecurity because you're so popular not not insecurity but the thing you value is i have the thing like you you're the most popular comedian in the world Mm -hmm. right 
And but there are guys that you would say are better comedians mm-hmm. than Absolutely. you, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we've talked about, Chris Dave. Chris Dave, I would say in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Um, I mean, would you put? Are there white people that you will admit to being better? Um, I mean, that better comics. Um, you know, I would say, I would say, you know, Louis before all of this. Louis, I put Louis, I think Louis, Louis Burr is a very fucking, strong fucking comic. I think, I think Burr is a very strong. Yeah, Burr, I think, comic. is one of the best ever, honestly. Burr, yeah. I think Burr is um, a strong fucking comic, man. I mean, you know, when you get to talking, there's only about five to six surgeons, and I and I call them surgeons, right. and, and by surgeons, I mean. Their approach to the craft is is surgical, you know. They, and, yeah, and they're undefeated within their approach. And I also look at who's churning, right? And by churning, right. I mean like who's who's pumping out material because that's that's another thing. It's 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 not it's not just about being sharp once, you know. No, it's about delivering it's five, six, seven, eight specials. Yeah, who's being sharp? um over and over again yeah and you know always putting a, a different a different level of energy and and showing a different side or piece of themselves so you know that list that list that i name i mean i think it ain't long i think it's not long but i think Chappelle, he shouldn't even be in a conversation because he just he's operating on a different frequency right now i remember i said this to you probably seven or eight years ago at montreal where we were talking about i was like his jokes aren't even shaped. It's like a seance half the time. He's operating on something else. So, you know, yep. I, I give him, I give right now, he's he's my goat right now. And mm-hmm. for, for different reasons. I think right now, Chris, you know, I was talking to Chris and he's telling me like, you know, he's he's gearing up, he's figuring it out. But, you know, I love Chris and I love his approach to the craft, right? And the, the same yeah. thing with, with Dave, like the three of us will fucking work somewhere we'll find a comfortable space to go and and beat some shit up and punch up yeah. and beat i'm gonna put wanda in there i i'm i'm a wanda fan i totally agree wanda and sarah silverman both are like i always forget them with like the best ever and like i'm there i'm strong of the best sarah's ever. talented but i'm strong on wanda wanda is wanda yes. is cut from the cloth of the greats like she's I agree. She's fucking strong. Um, and we said Burr. I knew that sitcom with her and Epps was going to yeah, be it's, good. it's too. good. It's, it's like Wanda can fucking hit for power. Mike's a it's fucking good. great wild it's good. card. It's good, yeah. man. And that's that's a yeah. that's a big thing for me too. Like I I am a I'm a fan of those that share the craft with me. Like I'm I'm a fan, so I like I like to see the growth. I like to see everybody fucking shining and winning yeah it's exciting it's all this like people are getting canceled it's like a lot of people doing arenas um it's a real cool time to be a comedian i was gonna say how do you feel right now about the pandemic you know um i want to say hopefully coming to an end you know we see that places are opening back up people are out the vaccinations are floating all around and we're trying to get to a way of old how do you feel about comedy now and and you know the the temperature of comedy from when we left to now how do you feel i feel i mean i don't know if we can talk about it but you and i are working on a thing um mm-hmm. about comedy and yeah you can say it cancellation it for netflix yeah. and uh, but it's now it's about more than just comedy and it's incredibly difficult 
and uh, we're going to need more money. You and I both, especially. <laughs> and uh, but I'm going to New York to start a new show August first. Like I'm, mm. I have a new three mics type show, and like I, I think it'll. I mean, the shows I've done. Have you done any like out, like at a club or? I I have been nowhere. I really need to find a time to go and start working out because you know when I once yeah. I go then I'm I'm in it and I'll be fine. But I, I got to get the the energy to go. I've been busy with productions and movies and, and the company shit. So, you know, I think after I'm done shooting this one, I'm going to take a little bit of time just to, just to fuck around for like two weeks and yeah. just get bit by the bug. And yeah. then after that, figure it out from there. But I definitely, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a priority as soon as I get the time. It's just like I'm, I'm excited to go and just see see the energy of the people because i think there's such That's a desperate need for entertainment for fun and i think you know we're going to fall into that like you said it best you said it's such a perfect time for comedy and i do i believe that i believe it is right now no it's a it's a great it's a it's great and there's also it's i don't know why it's well i think i know why why there are so many comedians doing arenas and giant theaters it's because we're the only people that aren't afraid of losing the job. Mm. Um, mm. If we're honest. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it just makes the, it makes it like, wait, you're going to speak honestly mm. in public. Mm. It becomes more like death defying. And I think pe because of podcasts, I love that we're all like good at podcasting because we're all engaging and interesting and know how to mm -hmm. be entertaining in a conversation it, with like subjects. And, uh, and it's an amazing time to be a comedian. An amazing time to be a comedian. I couldn't fucking agree more, man. I love that right now, you know, I asked you, I said, well, what do you want? Like what's next? And, and your want, it, it comes from the craft. You're like, yeah, I want, I want a chance to go to bigger venues. You know, I want to be a little more popular. To yeah, be and that is about popular. That's like, I think that's the craft. I I don't want to seem like, it's like going like, I want to be richer. It's not exactly richer. I didn't take it that way. I guess that would technically happen, but it's, but it's, it's, I don't know. I just, a little bit more what I think I'm, not do, but like, No, I don't know. you want to be, what I took from it is, you know, the, the, the bigger side of a draw than what you are now. Like you're you're already getting right. a certain audience and a crowd and you right. want that crowd to grow to where you can go in a bigger venue. I, I didn't take it as it's about the money. I didn't take it as about the 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 rich. I yeah. think that there's you want a bigger success attached to your stand-up comedy profile. That, yes. That, and that's I need what I need is your email list that you collected <laughs> you want the, you want the in 2008. <laughs> when you were doing the improvs and you had your mailing list and you worked at Kevin and how many names did you get on oh there? Oh my God, man. I did. You know, I swear to you, we can probably put a number on it. I, I'm willing to bet that that first round of emails I probably got was in the range of like 9,000 maybe. Cause you got to think yeah. like that's when, you know, I'm, I'm just now doing the improvs and I was getting these emails, you know, over the course of like a year and a half. For people who don't know, you were you were asking audiences to basically just fill out fill their out. email like, at the me. end of shows. And it was at the it was at the improvs and at the colleges. 
I was doing. You know, the colleges, right. they would be a bigger audience. But I was like, just give me your emails. And this is this is also like when that um, the emails and also I remember the tail end of MySpace was another thing that I had. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was all about just engaging with the crowd. That's how I got it to grow. Um, what I would love though, Neil, I mean, dude, you're such you're such an amazing like creator as well. Yeah, that world of of TV is just open. And, you know, the door, the door to heartbeat is always open to you. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever type of partnership you want or looking for. I just I just have a, a high level of respect for you. And no, I appreciate it, man. And you know what I feel like you can do. So you know, if and when and I say this yeah. on the podcast freely, like if there's a fucking thing and you're like, "Yo, this could be cool," Ken, what do you think about this idea and something that we can do, produce or whatever? You know, you got a springboard in me that can, you know, get shit to where you wanted to get. But you're fucking dope there. It seems unprofessional. Seems kind of unprofessional on your part to put public pressure on me yeah. well but that's how that's you're all about leverage yeah. and you always have always been. have been this way and, this way no matter what you can never go cat man why haven't we done anything that's bullshit man. and you know it we did the podcast man i fucking said it remember i said it i said yeah you said it you promised me <laughs> you said Neil, look me in my eye i will have you on audio <laughs> format that's yours dog that's you kept saying that's yours dog like from far away you'd be across the street be like that's yours dog like you kept yelling and nobody had any idea what you were talking about how much money you got though? <laughs> I'm give me right now before we wrap up. Give me your your top three. Give me your top three comedians of all time. All time. Uh, I'll give you four. Give me top four. Shit. Dave. One. Chris. Two. Uh, Bill Hicks. Oh, nice. Three. Yeah. And. Uh, you know what? I'm uh and then like it's Louis, Mulaney, and Burr in a clump. In a clump right there? Mulaney's yeah. good, man. Mulaney's yeah. good. He's you really know, good. It's crazy because it, I ask this question sometimes, sometimes I don't, but there's so many comedians, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many fucking great ones. Mm-hmm. And then you got like the the great ones that didn't get over this hump to be like the crazy massive ones, but the great ones was was still fucking yeah. insane. Like the people that I didn't say, I already feel bad about. I'm just saying because you said Hicks, and I'm like, fuck yes, Mulaney, yes, and like yeah. you know that these aren't names, you know that that you may hear when you're like, yo, give me a three, somebody give me a three, they don't come up, but you're talking about fucking studs studs yeah machines with a yeah. microphone yeah i didn't and that's i didn't i didn't say prior no. or mooney or or mort Saul or george cartless like fucking you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people i didn't or like headberg oh or just there's a lot of people that i didn't mention that are or it's, rodney it's so, fucking so many, rodney man. it's so um so many but this is this yeah. is the beauty of once again the craft that we chose to love and that's comedy and i'll tell you what this is the beauty of this podcast man comedy gold mines god damn it we get into the minds of amazing comedians mm. and oh my god what amazing minds they are i didn't mention eddie murphy by the way 
in that list. Didn't mention it. You can go. Listen, you'll be here all day by by still trying to get out the ones that you didn't see. Do we have all day? Kevin, it do I could do it. I could knock I could cancel some no, stuff if you just no, want me to Neil, keep naming people. No, it Neil. would mean a lot to me and my no, family. Neil, you, don't you know, they're from to. Philly. So I, I feel like it's okay. It's okay. Okay. I you know what's funny is I'm not gonna be able to tell my mom I did this podcast because if I do, she'll start sending me Philadelphia Inquirer articles about you again, <laughs> which I got which I was able to get out of somehow. <laughs> and um and so i'm just not just know my mom's not gonna listen to this she's not even gonna know about it well she will because i'm gonna blast it and i'm gonna put a mm. special at to make sure that your mm. mom does goddamn get a message about it oh uh, you got my mom's social <laughs> <laughs> Did my mom do you get my was my mom on your email list oh i will i will have it i'll get it ladies and gentlemen this is comedy gold mines and what an amazing mom we got into today Neil Brennan, Neil, I appreciate you, man. This is dope as hell. Yeah, I'm crazy about you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, man. Honestly, lay to death, dude. You too, buddy. And I, I can't wait to do our next commercial, buddy. You've been kicking ass on these Chase commercials. I know. My guy. My guy. All right, guys. Goodbye. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.